Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boost that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Listen to Spurs Cast, episode 625. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the Spurs' schedule release, Drew Eubanks' contract guaranteeing, the team officially signing Jock Landale, Joe Weiskamp getting a two way deal, and an interesting summer league stat. Woo wee, that's a lot of information there, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing good. I know a lot of information. I mean, it just means we're getting closer and closer to the season. You know, with this, especially with the schedule being released, so I mean, we're getting closer. So, those days of of no basketball, are, uh, they're you know, we can like count them down now. I'm not sure if that's a good thing just yet, but uh, I guess we'll be ready once October rolls around. Yeah, I remember just last week we were talking about how there's like you know six weeks off and stuff, and you know of the off season before the the preseason starts and training camp and all that. But whew, that's a lot of information we're going to go through. So, so yeah, Spurscast sisters, that's what we're kind of going to do here is just kind of go through, through topic by topic of the latest information that's come out. So let's begin here, Mike. I do want to note um, that Mike and I are recording this on a Friday evening at six o'clock p.m. because again, the Spurs can make some signings, they can make some moves, and we just never know what's going to happen. So I want to make sure that you all as listeners know exactly when we're recording this. So, so yeah, so just a few hours ago, Mike, uh, the, the schedule had just come out for the for the NBA uh, for all the teams and the Spurs included here and so you know we're not going to go too too deep into the schedule just yet uh, we're just going to go through some some big some some big takeaways that I've seen so far and then you can kind of uh, bounce off some of your ideas as well so let's first go through the schedule um, you know it begins on October 20th as the Spurs' first game uh, against the Orlando Magic and then it ends on April 22nd uh, um, at Dallas against the Mavericks um, some things that I that I've seen so far there's 14 back to back sets um, and and um, 33 games are are in December and January alone. So so, so December and January is going to be a very um, crowded month for the Spurs, a very tough month for them because of all the games that they're going to have. That's going to probably be the two toughest months for them. 
Uh, there is also pretty much the NBA gave them another rodeo road trip, so they still have the traditional rodeo road trip in February. It's an eight-game rodeo road trip on the West Coast, and or it might be on the East Coast. But then this year, the, the NBA gave them a seven-game rodeo road trip in late December going into early January. So that's actually going to be tough. It's basically like their schedule has two rodeo road trips built in here. Um, during the All-Star break, they are going to get eight days off fully, um, full eight days off. Uh, and then after the All-Star break, I know that this past season, it was really tough for them. It felt like it was just a grind to get to the, to the end of the year. But this time, it looks like it's going to be a little bit easier. They're going to have 23 games left after the All-Star break and just three back-to-back sets. So so, the, so their more relaxed part of the schedule will probably be after the All-Star break. They basically got to, got to grind and get through uh, to that All-Star break part. Um, and then just some, some notable games to keep an eye on are uh, December 17th against the Utah Jazz is when they're going to first see Rudy Gay again. Uh, on January 9th is when they're going to see Patty Mills with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And then on January 20th, 28th, they're going to see for the first time DeMar DeRozan in a Chicago Bulls uniform. So, Mike, I know that's a lot of info. Just, uh, you know, take the conversation wherever you want on this part. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, okay, so the one thing is that it's good to see an actual full schedule, for, uh, you know, for especially after two years where it's been insane. Like last year, the schedule was just ridiculous. And honestly, it was one of those things where I, I wasn't really a big fan of them cramming so many games in there because of the health of, of a lot of the players and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before they did what they had to to get back. Um, so it's nice to see a regular schedule, but nobody's doing the Spurs any favors. It looks like I think uh, somebody was talking about strength of schedule and things like that. And that seven-game road trip in December is going to be killer. And, and then having that right before, you know, not, not even too uh, long of a time before they go on the road to the road trip. So that's rough. There's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, road games, a lot of the back-to-back, so on top of it, it being a difficult year regardless because of, you know, where the team is at and then the competition in place, that just kind of steps it up a notch, I think. No, for sure, for sure, and I think that you know, as we get into this next part of the conversation, we're going to see that uh, where this team is at, where this team is at exactly. Um, so, you know, just last week I had put out a poll, and, and I was kind of I was kind of gauging the Spurs win maybe thirty four to thirty seven games, just on paper with how the roster looks right now. This is before the schedule came out, and then now that the schedule has officially come out, I've actually done like just like, just like a little, you know, I take my I take the full schedule, I kind of write in wins losses just just based on paper matchups here, and I ended up with thirty one wins just because of the, how difficult the schedule is and the teams that they play, you know, in, in a row. It's very tough for them. And so, you know, when I'm looking at the schedule and I see opponents, you know, it's easy, it's usually easy for me to see a team and say, oh, the Spurs are better than this team on paper. And really, there's only three teams that I can even say that about it at this point. I would say Houston is a team they're, they're a favorite against in all those games, uh, Oklahoma City, and then Orlando. And why do I name those three teams? Because those are also the three rebuilding teams that we know are probably going to try to to tank this coming um, season. Those are the only teams that are probably not, not trying to win games. They're instead trying to just develop and, you know, get get um, young players and, and get um, future picks and stuff like that. Um, and again, on paper, this looks like they're there could be um you know when when you go through the schedule you sit down and go through it i mean they're 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 playing teams like they'll play like the Mavericks, the Lakers, the Clippers, all in a row. They'll play, um, you know, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, New York, all in a row. And so when we see that, you know, if, if they don't if they don't defy the expectations, then there's a chance, you know, they could have multiple losing streaks. Unfortunately, um, this coming season, unless they unless they play better than than you know what what they're supposed to you know perform at on on paper. Uh, and this is what you just talked about, Mike. Um, per positive residual, um, and this is via um, Josh Boreda, one of our writers at Project Spurs. They do have the second toughest strength of schedule in the league, so they have the second toughest schedule. Now, part of that, if you look at the data, it's it's always um, it's just the, the teams that are not um, projected to play well. So that's like Houston, OKC, San Antonio, Orlando. Those are basically the teams that are that are uh, projected right now, based on Las Vegas, you know, over unders to to be to be the to pretty much like the four worst teams, unfortunately. 
Now, one good, I mean, not, not a good thing, but I think one realistic thing that we could see here is that the fans kind of know that this, this might be a rough season. It's, it might may be very similar to last season where this may not be a playoff team, unfortunately. Um, you know, you know, not, not those traditional Spurs teams that are winning over 50 games. And they kind of understand that because why do I say that? Because just before you, you and I got on, Mike, I had just put out a quick 30 minute poll on Twitter. I even said just 30 minutes. I just want to get your, your initial takes. Um, you know, and I got 259 people to respond in, in a poll. And, you know, 32%, the majority of them said, um, you know, they only expect this team to win between 30 33 and 40 games, uh, then 27% even said 29 or fewer games they win, 26% what was 30 to 32 wins, which is kind of where I was, like I said, I was at 31, well, 26% of those that voted said 30 to 32 wins, and then only 15%, this is last, uh, said they would win 41 or more games, so again, those those normal, um, you know, winning Spurs teams that we've always been used to for over 20 years, you know, the the fans kind of know where where the expectations are with this team, did did you have any, um, I guess, analysis on on some of that data? Uh, honestly, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I always hate to talk about it like it's a positive. I'm just glad that there's a realistic view on, on this season because I know that the Spurs winning ways of the past is kind of sports. And a lot of times you will automatically expect them to be, uh, you know, being able to, to rack up 50 wins like they've, they've done for, you know, decades or whatever. But to, just having that, I think that um, realistic mindset's good. Um, even... When I was thinking about this the other day, I had it at like thirty to thirty-five wins is probably there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of I'm not too surprised to see that. I think that, especially with a lot of the teams that have gotten better um, in the division and in the Western Conference, I mean it's going to be a tough season. But I think at the same time, it kind of gives them. It, I think not having a lot of expectation on you. Also gives you some flexibility to go out there and not almost not have as much pressure. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to see what the, what that does for some of the young players, and so maybe see what it does for like uh, pops lineups and things like that. So that's that's kind of really what I've taken away from it so far. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big things is like, you know, again, this is just stuff on paper that we're talking about here. And we haven't seen the actual games be played. And because there's so many young players on this roster, we never know. You know, you just never know if any of these players can pop and become, you know, an all-star or get or, or just take a leap here uh, with this team. We, again, that's going to be the cool thing about the roster that they've put together is that we're actually going to get to see there's no more DeMar DeRozan there. There's no more Patty Mills, no more Rudy Gay there to kind of be in charge and run things for, for the team. It's going to be all on, you know, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, uh, Kelton Johnson, all those young players. This is it. This is their chance now to be in the spotlight here and, and carry the offense or you know or take this team to another level and so again we'll kind of see you know does a player pop out of this lineup and become you know that that future all-star for this team so again that's going to be kind of the cool thing if they were to defy the expectations that are kind, kind of set for them as of right now all right so now let's move on to our, our, our second topic here and it looks like drew eubanks will be staying with the team um you know, it's it's now past 4 p.m. on Friday, and that was the, the last date uh, for the team to to um, waive him, which would have um, taken off his non guarantee contract. And if he wasn't waived by Friday, uh, and usually the deadline is 4 p.m. Central Time, uh, you know, for the NBA and, and these contract decisions, well, then that means that Eubanks's deal is guaranteed for 1.7 million. Um, uh, though what's interesting is that there is a lot of um, players out in the front court right now. You know they have they have uh, players that are capable of playing the five for this team. They have Jakob Pertl, they have Jock Landale, who we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, they have Thaddeus Young, who they traded for. They have Eubanks, and then of course when he eventually gets healthy, they're going to have Zach Collins. So again, a lot of depth there at the front at the front court, especially at the five uh, with Eubanks back. And I think that. 
You know, initially when when there was no when it looked like there was no roster spots left, it, it looked pretty easy to say, oh, they're just going to waive Eubanks because he, you yeah. know, he, he's on a non guaranteed contract. But then I think we saw signs that he was going to probably stay because just recently, you know, he's been on Twitter with some of the, with some of the players uh, they, they've been they were talking during the summer league, uh, and then also recently the Spurs had sent him to just to do a community event uh, recently in the community. So I did not think that they would um you know that they would waive him if they were if they were having him be part of that um all those different things. Uh, so what are your what are your thoughts on on Eubanks' uh, deal guaranteeing? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was kind of like the tip the tip off thing I guess for me as well because at first I was thinking well I guess he was the odd man out right I mean he's obviously yeah. uh, and he didn't he signed I guess it was last year um, and his contract wasn't too bad I mean, bad and I thought that was a good contract but then mm-hmm. at the same time you're like well they don't have infinite roster spots they're already way over you know yeah. they have to do something so I figured the easiest thing would be, okay, well, you wave one of the guys at the bottom of your roster, and that's Eubanks. But as soon as I saw him doing community events, I was like, no, they wouldn't do that. I don't think they would mm-hmm. send him out there if they were just going to wave him like a week later or something like that. So that kind of gave me the sign that uh, he's probably going to stick around. I have no idea what they have planned as far as trimming this roster down to 15 players. <laughs> but yeah, it, it seems like that, that's why I wanted, that, that's that's why it's just like, you know, why you think the offseason, or at least the, the, I guess, the heavy part of the offseason movement is over for the Spurs. I mean, there can definitely still be a lot of things happening, uh, you know, up until training cap or whatever, because they've got to make something happen to be able to trim it down. And um, at this point, it's anybody's guess. Yeah, and one thing I was talking to, I was messaging with Ben Bornstein recently about about Eubanks is, um, you know, again, like you mentioned, he was out of the community doing events for the team, and then also, you know, it's just not good business to 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 to, to tell a you know to make a guy wait up until the deadline, especially when we knew in free agency that after a few days, all the roster spots were getting filled up, and that's kind of what we're at right now. You know, there's 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 multiple teams. Actually, the majority of teams are now fully um full with roster spots, and there's only a handful of teams that even have open roster spots at this point. So so yeah, it, it, I don't think that you know it, had the Spurs thought that they were going to waive him, you know, they would probably have done it earlier right when free agency began that way they could let him have a chance of, of joining another team so i think that that right now all, all signs look like yes uh, he is going to stay uh, um with the team for, for this season um all right let's move on to our third topic here and this is jock landale officially signing his deal so we know that we've talked about this on the spurs cast uh, you know it was reported a few weeks ago that jock would sign with the spurs there was no details on his contract but now we do have some details according to keith smith um he says that landale did sign a two-year minimum deal the first year is fully guaranteed, and then the second year is non-guaranteed. And so now what that means is that with Landale on the roster, kind of what you were saying, Mike, the roster is you know, full past capacity here. They're, they now have 16 players with him, and once Bryn Forbes eventually signs his, his deal officially, they'll be up to 17 players, meaning what you said, Mike, they have to either trade two players or waive two players before um, opening night, which is um, you know, October 20th here. Um, so, so did you have any comments on, on the team finally signing Landale? Uh, it's just a signing, you know. That, that um, when I got to when I heard about him signing back when the Olympics were going on, I got a chance to watch him, and I was kind of a fan of even one game he wasn't playing the best, but I loved his energy, mm-hmm. and um, I felt like he, there's uh, you know, some versatility in his game. He can shoot outside and he can, you know, take some of the other guys off the dribble and things like that. So I, I, I like that part of it, and uh, so, and I, the thing I do have to say is that. Brian Wright has taken like quite a drubbing uh, this offseason, but one of the things that I think he deserves credit for is the way he structured contracts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like he's not getting the team into trouble with future, you know, like like next year's is non-guaranteed, it's not guaranteed, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. when he 
did uh, with Jews for this year. It was just, you know, they, they had to, you know, see if they were going to uh, bring him back and things like that. And I feel like with a lot of the contracts, he's he's done that. And he's kind of like taking a safe, like, watch and see out with some of these players and see how they fit. And instead of him locking in their uh, future, uh, you know, salary into a lot of these players, he's, uh, he's being a little more cautious. Yeah, and one thing we're we're seeing again is that you know next next off season is going to be kind of just like this one where there's there's really going to only going to be a handful of teams who have cap space, and the Spurs will probably be one of those teams. I think that I had told Ben that they could get up to I think thirty four million right now if they if they let go of a lot of those players like Eubanks and Landale on non guaranteed contracts for next year. So so that's the thing is like yes, if there's a free agent out there that the Spurs want to try to sign, well then they put themselves in that in that in that um that group of of limited teams who are going to have you know full cap space to try to to try to sign someone. So so again that's that's something to watch with their book and how they've managed it, just like like you mentioned there, uh, Mike. And then so we've also gotten some news here on another Spurs player um, who was drafted this past year um, in, in the second round. This is a Joe Wieskamp. Um, he he officially, he's, well, he hasn't signed it yet, but he's officially going to get a two-way contract. And this is kind of what we thought because, like we've talked about, you know, there's, there was no roster spots. They would have to waive three players to get Wieskamp a full NBA deal. And so they're going to go instead with that open two-way spot. So this is reported by Scott um, Dotcherman um, of The Athletic. Uh, and, of course, he, he's from, from Iowa, which is, which is where Wieskamp used to play college basketball. Uh, he reported this deal that it's a two-way contract. Um, and then, you know, just looking at his summer league numbers as a whole, now that it's officially over, um, he ended up playing in eight games Wieskamp, um, seven starts, uh, 23 minutes, 8.5 points, 5.9 rebounds, 0.5 steals, 0.4 blocks, one turnover a game. And, and one, one good thing is that he didn't foul a lot, 1.1 fouls, considering you, you could foul up to 10 times in summer league. Uh, and then 4.8 threes he attempted per game, and he, and he struggled there. We, uh, we, saw, we obviously saw that uh, he only shot 24% from the three-point arc. So what are your thoughts on um, Wieskamp getting that two-way contract? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they they're, they're going to assign him to this because I think you can kind of throw his summer league performance out the window. I think he's capable of of much more than that. But obviously the transition is going to take time. It's something that it's all it always takes time. And one of the things that I liked about seeing him out there is even when he was in scoring, he was always it seemed like he was always involved in the play. Like especially in transition, he was really good at that. And then he also was a better rebounder than I expected, you know, for, mm-hmm. especially for him, his position and his size. Uh, so that was something I like to see, you know, for him to work on transitioning into the league. I mean, obviously the G League is the best place for him to be. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing him, uh, you know, with Austin and seeing how he does there. And I think it'll be a lot different because it's not just such a small sample size of games that you have to, to, to go off of. And I think he'll be able to have more time to learn, you know, the sort of system and things like that and find his his role a little better. No, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. And, you know, one thing that, that we see with this two-way option is that, you know, it could either be for a year or two. And if it's like for a year, let's just say it's for a year, well, then they, then he becomes a restricted free agent next year. So if he actually has a good um, G League year coming up, and then, you know, maybe let's just say Lonnie Walker doesn't return to the team next next offseason, well, then maybe they can, they can look at moving Wieskamp up uh, to the roster, you know, signing, giving him a, a full NBA deal. Or they could probably, um, you know, just tender him a qualifying offer and then try to retain him on a two-way contract, uh, very similar to what they're trying to do right now with, with Keita Bates' job. So again, Joe Wieskamp now, We'll be with the Spurs, but he'll instead be on a two-way contract. So, so you'll probably see him, um, you know, in a lot of Austin, Austin Spurs games. All right, and then our last topic is just um, one, one interesting stat I saw um, uh, from the summer league. Um, it, it's a shot creation stat, um, and this is according to Synergy. Uh, they had they had tweeted that um, you know they, they listed the biggest um, shot creators at summer league, and in order to qualify for this, you had to have at least forty plus possessions as a pick and roll ball handler, and you had to take the shot either in isolation 
posting up or um, off a dribble handoff. And so among the top 13 players, three of them were Spurs players. So again, that's that's interesting. Three of the top 13 were Spurs players. Uh, the, the player who had the most points per possession was Josh Primo, the rookie, 0.84 points per possession. And the reason why he, he, he ended up being the most here is because of how he takes his shots. 69% of his, his shot attempts came from the from two-point range um, in the shot creation, and 31% came from the three. And we did see that. We saw Primo being able to kind of shoot that um, you know crossover into the three or the pull-up three off a of pick-and-roll. Um, and, and he did this in 43 possessions. Second was Trey Jones um, among the Spurs players. 0.78 points per possession and again he he mainly relies on the um the two point attempts he he does a lot of those mid-range jumpers but again it, it worked out for him 93% of his shot attempts came from the from the 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 the, the mid-range shot basically uh on 55 possessions and then lastly was Devin Vassell uh who whose um points per possession was 0.77 uh right right there basically behind um Trey Jones and and uh, Devin had a little bit of a mixture here where 79% of his shots came again from the two the two point area which is where we see a lot of him uh taking those mid-rangers like we've talked about in the Spurs cast and then he again also had showed the ability to pull up from 3 uh where 21% of his um shot creation stats came from um the three point arc uh according to to Synergy's data and he did this in 43 possessions uh because you know he 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 only played in a few games before he 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 got hurt and they kind of held him out um so again I think the big takeaway here Mike is that you know, these are the young players, and especially with DeMar leaving, uh, and I know it's only Summer League, th- this is good to see that, that these players are, are some of the top players, at least at this Summer League, who can kind of create on their own, uh, you know, like I said, to create their own shot. What are, what are some of your thoughts on some of this data? I, mean, I think that's something that's been badly needed uh, on the team for a while, is, is guys mm-hmm. that can do that. And um, I think have, having them there, I mean, I think a lot of people were surprised by by Josh Freeman, he had his ups and downs, but a lot yeah. of times, mm-hmm. I mean, he well, he was really when he was on, it just seemed like you know he couldn't miss a, a lot of times, and I think it's going to make for a pretty competitive training camp. Uh, I wish I could be there to see it all because there's a lot of players fighting for just a few positions, and you know, like the, the backup, like point guard or whatever, is going to be an interesting battle to see because. You think that, you know, Lonnie Walker will probably be shooting for that, but then Trey Jones had a fantastic summer league mm-hmm. uh, as well. And then, and then they tried to put the ball in Josh Humo's hands, so who knows if they're going to try him there as well. So, um, And then Devin Vassell just continues to get better. He just looked yep. like a different player. Uh, like, like we saw a little bit of a drop in his game from at the end of the season till now. And, and that's kind of like what I saw from Trey Jones. To me, Trey Jones kind of made one of those, like, Derek White leaps from the end of, of uh, when he played with the G League till when he mm-hmm. started playing or getting, like, a regular rotation with Spurs. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they manage all these minutes. And I, I know that, like, talent-wise, a lot of the players on the roster aren't, like, some of the most more talented players. But there's definitely some ta- some young talent there that they can uh, work in. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it all falls into place. I'm with you there. You know, just, you know, imagine being able to see what's going to happen in training camp here because, like, I really think that Trey Jones and Primo really threw a wrench here where, like, you know, because not only that, remember, they signed Brent Forbes and so he yeah. needs to join the squad too. It's like, so, like, when I was actually trying to figure out how, who's going to play in the wing rotation, aside from Derek and DeJounte, they're like the only two safe bets. You know, you, you still got to get Lonnie minutes. You got to get Brent Forbes minutes. You got to get uh, Devin Vassell minutes. You got to, and now, you know, you, you got to get, I think, Trey Jones for sure uh, from, based on his play. And then again, if any of those players struggle, then, hey, Primo too is like a player 
player who can you know do a little bit of shot creation. Now I know he's a little bit more raw, and he and he probably he's probably gonna get more time in Austin. But again, yeah. it's just interesting going into this training camp battle. The fact that there are not there's gonna be a, a, a good player who needs to play gonna probably be sitting out most nights because you know there's just not enough um, roster spots right now. I mean, I mean not not roster spots but rotation spots uh, yeah. for these players. So that that's gonna be very interesting to see as as training camp comes up, comes up for the coaching staff. All right, so um, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, Spurscast listeners, um, you know, we'll continue to cover free agency. Like Mike said, you know, even though we, we want to, you know, we think that it's a full offseason mode, nope, there's going to have to definitely be two moves here for the Spurs, whether that's trading players or waving players. That has to happen, uh, you know, before the season begins. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. We're also, again, waiting for Brent Forbes to officially sign his deal, as well as Joe Wieskamp. Um, and then Benjamin Bornstein has his latest piece up. It's called How the, uh, How the San Antonio Spurs Won Free Agency This Season and Beyond by Ben. So make sure you check that out if you have a chance. Um, thanks again to Mike for joining me here on the Spurs cast and for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.